you can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bolchevich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon, and it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest, and when you define beautiful day in November, that means it's raining. So, and we like that it's raining because that means fire season's over with, and it's cold enough we're actually building some snowpack up in the Cascades so we can get some good good uh, water flow in our rivers in the summertime. So we like the fact that it's rain and cold in the winter here. It also gives me a good excuse to read books and, uh, you know, do things like that. And it also kind of means it's election season, too. And we had an election yesterday here in Lane County. And uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit here on the Bo's Nose Show. But today is a free-for-all day. So if you don't want to talk about the elections and you have something else on your mind, or if you have an opinion about the elections, give us a call here at 646-721-9887. Just press one and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you wanna get in on the conversation. And you can even email us at talk at krbnradio.net. And we can even pick those up between shows if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic or comment you want me to uh, make note of on the next show. So I am Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner, and you've got the Bose Nose Show. And it's a free-for-all day. Again, that number is 646-721-9887. And, you know, yesterday was Election Day. And uh, it it's, uh, was kind of a strange election for me because I didn't get a ballot this time. And, and it was weird for a lot of my neighbors and, and a lot of places around Lane County because it's not a normal full-blown election it's you know what they call a special election because it's an off-year november election and the only way you get a ballot is if somebody puts something on the ballot that you have you know involves a jurisdiction you're our voting member of and you know none of the uh districts out here put anything on the ballot lane county didn't have anything on the ballot the state didn't have anything on the ballot so i didn't get one Whereas if you lived in the city of Eugene, you had two measures to vote on. If you lived in Springfield, you had a measure to vote on. If you're down in uh, South Lane, you might be voting on a fire measure. If you're out towards Florence, you might have been voting on the school measure. But there was nothing here around Vanita and Elmira for us to vote on. So I didn't get a ballot. So it was really kind of strange as people were uh, talking about getting their ballots turned in and how they're going to vote. I didn't get to vote on anything, so I'm, I'm kind of feeling left out of this election. <laughs> that said, it was a great day for taxes in the state of Oregon. Um, it seems like every tax measure, at least here in Lane County, got approved by a significant margin. And, and when I say tax measure, there various things were on there. There were serial levies, there were bond measures, 
and and all that all of them end up just you know on your property tax bill eventually and and what gets me is all these things pass now in the special election by next november when the county sends out their tax bills i'll get the phone calls about how much people's taxes went up when they won't remember that they voted for something you know whether it was because they wanted their roads fixed or they wanted more school after school programs and whatever else or they they wanted um higher levels of police and a city jail funded you know by next november when that 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 property tax bill you know gets well october is when you get it in the mail november when you got to pay it um i'll be getting the phone calls about why is my tax bill so much you know <laughs> when you know the tax bills get mailed from lane county but they include everybody else's you know taxes on there from cities and school districts and fire districts lane county's portion of that tax bill depending on where you live is anywhere from about eight cents to 12 cents of your tax bill kind of averages out to about 11 cents out of the every dollar that you're you're charged um so you know when it comes to, to next October, when you get mailed your property tax bill, just remember this this past election cycle and all the uh, uh, school serial levies and, and, and fire district serial levies that passed, the serial levy in Springfield supporting public safety that passed, the bond measure for streets in the city of Eugene, the bond measure out in Lowell for new school, you know, for uh, construction of the schools out there where they're actually doing facilities work different than the uh, serial levy down in, in Florence area that, that supports, um, you know, programmatic spending. Um, so, you know, next October, when you get your, your, your bill, besides the fact that your property values in this hot real estate market are growing, and that means your, your taxes grow with the value of your property, although uh, several uh, constitutional amendments here in Oregon limit that growth to 3% maximum a year, uh, of, of your assessed value, if you're also tacking on a bunch of new uh, serial levies or increases in those levy rates, your property taxes are going to be higher next October than they were this this October, most likely. And it's mostly because of things that are not Lane County. So don't get mad at the assessor, and don't don't uh, get mad at the county so much. Take a good look at your property tax bill and see which you know, compare last year to this year, if you can find last year's statement and see which parts have gone up by by jurisdiction. And, it, and if there's a big increase somewhere, you, that's where you might want to think about. And then remember this November election uh, where, you know, things varied from the bond measure that got approved in Eugene by 60 to 40 about and to the Springfield public safety thing was almost 70 percent it was somewhere about 69 percent to 31 percent yes the one thing it didn't pass yesterday was the uh retail pot sales in the city of Cresswell so it looks like it's a good day if you wanted to add to everybody's property tax bills but if you wanted to sell pot in Cresswell it was a bad day that lost by 85 percent to 15 percent that is just a smackdown I mean, I haven't seen anything go down that big in a long time. So uh, the, the One Grove people, it might have been smart 
to treat your neighbors near your grow facility a lot nicer while you had a ballot measure going in Cresswell so the folks in Cresswell couldn't keep pointing to newspaper articles about how you guys were toting guns and following people around with um, drones and stuff like that and, and generally harassing a, a neighborhood out there while you're asking for permission to open a retail store in another jurisdiction. Um, might have been good to carry a low profile <laughs> when you have something on the ballot. Uh, lesson learned, guys, because um, all you did, it seems like, is you made the folks in Cresswell even matter. They voted no once, and it kind of, the, the today was, you know, didn't you hear me when I said no? <laughs> now do you hear me? So looks like we're not going to be selling pot in Cresswell anytime soon. But, you know, that, that's kind of what yesterday's elections were about. I'd be curious if uh, anyone else has any opinions on it. I know that Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, might have a little bit of an opinion because she lives in Springfield where one of those measures was passed. And I have a feeling, Robin, you weren't in the majority on that vote, were you? Uh, not really. <laughs> yeah, so do you know what that's going to do to your tax bill? How much it's going to go up a year? Approximately about $240. Wow. So that's, you know, basically 20 bucks a month. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, some people might not think is a whole lot, but, you know, some people are, are you know, working for nonprofits or, you know, working in the service industry where they're not earning a whole lot of money and, you know, they might be living in a house that's, you know, they, they managed to, you know, have a pretty low mortgage on either because they bought it early on before the market surged or whatever. And their, their real estate taxes are a major portion of their um, monthly billing because it, it's, you know, built into their, their, uh, mortgage payment. So your mortgage payment is going to jump by like 20 bucks a month, you know, which I'm sure that your your uh, Springfield Utility Board bill has stayed flat over the years, as well as every other um, expense that you pay. Uh, Absolutely. Just, yeah. So it's just kind of one more drop in the bucket that's leading you towards, you know, your ability to stay in your housing and, and housing affordability. Well, and you know, Jay, that's really the sad point is, or sad part is that property taxes have been going up 3% every year then on top of the bond measures. And I mean, it's one thing to not be able to afford it. It's the other thing about what the money's spent on. And some of the voters, voters they just vote in favor of it, not thinking like the Springfield measure. Oh, it's a dollar forty per thousand assessed. Yeah, that ain't much. Definitely can be a lot. Um particularly, you know, depending on, on the value of houses nowadays, are just skyrocketing. So, yeah, I, I, it was a tough election for those folks on fixed incomes and are living in their own homes. Uh, you know, and, and even if you're a renter, that's, the, you know, everyone goes, well, it's just, you know, I'm a renter. It doesn't matter what happens to property taxes. Yes, it does. If you don't think the average landlord's not going to increase your rent to cover his property tax, bill increases, You've, you you need to take a uh, uh, few lessons in accounting and economics. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing it for the uh, graciousness of their heart. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so even renters will feel these increases in property taxes uh, in their rent bills. You know, and that's you know, right now we're having a housing crisis in Lane County, and everyone talks about how we can make housing more affordable, but it seems like we just can't quite get there. And I know we talked a little last week about Envision Eugene and the lack of expansion for housing. And uh, we've talked in the past about housing affordability, but just, you know, when you see every tax measure for every little thing pass on the ballot, it kind of, you know, makes you wonder if it's just becoming kind of a rubber stamp sort of situation where somebody throws a cereal levy up there for something that sounds like it's good, everybody's just going to say yes without really going, do they really need the money? And, and am, am I, is my yes vote actually going to cause some uh, little old lady to have to move out of her house that she lived in with her husband through their 50-year marriage and she survived him by 10 or 15 years um, and is in a paid off house where where her tax bill is her major bill and maybe her only bill for her housing you know so it's it's uh hopefully folks kind of don't cavalierly just vote yes on those things that they think a little bit beyond you know ask some tough questions you know one of the reasons why i felt we got such an overwhelming yes vote when we asked for a property tax um serial levy renewal on the jail levy was we demonstrated to the voters that we are trying very hard to control our expenses and the prioritize spending. And we've been very, um, you know, uh, transparent and open about some of those efforts. And, you know, even some of those efforts have kind of exploded into the whole uh, labor dispute we just finished up here uh, in that we were determined not to just, you know, willy nilly take the taxpayers resources and, and, and just give it away at the bargaining table. So I think, you know, I would hope that everybody else out there is looking at these these uh, serial levies and bond measures and asking the deeper questions, you know, are the jurisdictions that are asking for them controlling their costs and doing the right things with the money they have? You know, one of the examples I would give is I'm not so sure the whole street bond thing in the city of Eugene has been a good idea. One of the things that happened was the city of Eugene uh, really starved their street maintenance program over the years to spend money on things I didn't think were actually a high priority. Um, and they were warned about it over the years about how they were underspending their maintenance program. And they got to the point where their streets fell apart and then they needed to spend Instead of a dollar on maintenance, they need to spend $10 on reconstruction. So you have to capitalize that, and they end up doing these bond measures that rebuild a, a street. Problem is, is they're still not doing the maintenance on the rest of the streets. So the other streets are still falling apart at a fast rate, and they keep passing bond measures to repair streets. They're never going to catch up. They're always going to be behind and they're always going to be at the reconstruction phase instead of just maintaining the streets they have at a decent level. And no one seemed to be asking that question during the whole bond um, measure campaign. No one asked the question is, is should the city actually be spending more money on main, preventive maintenance instead of having to go to the point of bond bonding street? You know, great. The, the reds, they get to put a list of of projects together and as they finish those projects they can tick them off and the register guard will go look see they said they were going to do this and they did it 
they should just be doing preventive maintenance in the first place where they don't have to have a list of reconstruction streets. So just as an example, I kind of wonder uh, why no one asked that question when it comes to some of these you know, street construction repair bonds. Uh, you know, really ought to be doing enough preventive maintenance that you don't have to get to the point of reconstructing streets. Uh, although eventually you do, but it shouldn't be the norm. And it seems like in the city of Eugene, that's become the normal way of doing street repairs is, is wait till they fall apart to the point you have to reconstruct them. And uh, that's really not a good way to do street repairs. Yeah, but Jay, that's not as fun as a new bus system. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I don't know if you saw the uh, uh, a little note in the register guard. You know, the register guard's gone to 200 word editorials instead of 250, so they could get more in. Which I kind of applaud them for doing. A lot of papers, it's only 150. Um, and there was a little editorial letter to the editor this, this morning that was about the delays on West 11 since the new bus systems opened up, and how how. What used to be a five minute trip to get a quick cup of coffee from his work to over to the, the coffee place turned into 20 yesterday. Because <laughs> of the way the, the traffic's been reconfigured on West 11th. So we're not the only ones that notice how crazy that traffic um, layout was and in, 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 uh, the drunk traffic designers of, of LTD in the city of Eugene. So. <laughs> we're Yes, world-class bus system. Yeah, so, um, you know, if you have any comments about yesterday's election, you're willing, more than uh, willing, give us a call, 646-721-9887. Um, that's the number here at the Bose No Show. It is a free-for-all day, so if you want to talk about something else, you can call us, too, at 646-721-9887. And just press one that lets us know you want to get in on the conversation. So I had a couple other things on my list to talk about today. Um, if no one calls in, you're going to have to talk about what I want to talk about. And one of those. Mention one thing real quick, too. If you're really shy about calling us, join us live right now on Facebook. I always forget to, pro to promo that or live Facebook um, you know, there's several ways you can get the Bose Nose Show, and one of the great things about being on an internet radio show is it also gets archived, and you can listen to the show even non-live. If you miss us on our live broadcast, you can come back and uh, click on the show uh, sometime several hours after the show. They archive it, and you can listen to the show uh, anytime during the week and go back and listen to past episodes if you're really bored um, or trying to, to pass some time. Uh, like painting a room and you got the computer in there and you want to listen, you can do it that way. Uh, so um, other topics here on the Bose Nose Show today, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, overnight camping and uh, the program that we're looking to possibly expand out into the River Road in Santa Clara area in the, that, that kind of donut that exists between the city of Eugene city limits and their urban growth boundary, which is sort of a bit of a no man's land um, that people live in there where they're kind of half in the city, half out, sort of, so to speak, because if they want to develop and, and improve, you know, do a major uh, addition on their house, 
they might have to annex to the city first and then get permits to the city. Um, but until they do that, they're under county jurisdiction, which means they're covered by the sheriff's office for for uh, law enforcement and we take care of other things. Um, and one of the things we're looking at doing, because that's sort of an urban area and there's you know several churches that are out there that are on that are uh, not in the city. Uh, and several people that have expressed an interest in participating in a program that the city of Eugene runs inside the city limits, except for we'll be doing it outside. It'll be a Lane County program. We'll, we'll do a contract with a somebody to provide the actual service, uh, like the city of Eugene currently contracts with St. Vincent de Paul for this service, is it allows somebody that wants to host a uh, person camping at, at um, and it's typically someone that's 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 homeless. Um, contacts St. Vincent de Paul gets on their list, and St. Vincent de Paul takes people that want to that need places to camp, and vets them and makes sure that they you know they're not placing somebody that that is you know on the uh, you know sex abuse list or something like that, uh, sex offenders list in in. Uh, you know, next door to a, an elementary school. Uh, so they kind of vet the list and, and match people up with the sites and allows them to, to camp there. Um, and, you know, for a church, they can have up to four people, uh, uh, four sites. Uh, if you're a, a business or a residence, uh, you're allowed at only one. Um, and there, you have to provide sanitation like a bucks. Uh, you have to provide trash disposal and pick up and there has to be storage available for the, the uh, folks stuff and it has to be out of site storage it can't be you know within sight of public right-of-way or neighbors so um, they can't become unsightly but the fact that it's a vetted list that st vincent de paul goes through of campers matches them up with people that want to host these folks the program's actually been pretty successful in the city of eugene with a very very low less than two percent complaint rate 99.9% of those complaints are actually resolved just with the mediation of St. Vincent de Paul. There has not yet been a need to call law enforcement out to any of these sites. Um, one of the things we verified through St. Vincent de Paul in the city of Eugene is that that has not been an issue. So um, we're looking at possibly approving this pilot program out in these areas and most of those areas in River Road and Santa Clara on November 28th at a board meeting, and we're going to do it by a board order. And originally, we had talked about doing it under an ordinance, but we found out we don't need to do an ordinance for this uh, from legal counsel. So there won't be a public hearing on this. So instead of a public hearing, I am going to be holding a public meeting in Santa Clara on November 14th. That's a Tuesday night next week at 6:30 p.m. at the St. Matthew's Episcopal Church. That's it. 4110 River Road. Again, if you just think about St. Matthew's, Eugene, in, in Google, you'll find the church. Um, and it's going to be an informational input meeting. So basically, the meeting will start with a presentation on what the program is. And then there'll be a bit, I'll, I'll open up for QA on the program specific to, you know, just getting everybody understanding exactly what the program is and getting questions answered about the programming the program 
and then we'll move to like a public comment uh, session where I will, you know, people can, you know, basically be uh, open mic and you come up one at a time and express your opinion of whether you think it's a good idea, a bad idea, needs to be modified, uh, changed, or, you know, the, those sort of things. And I'm going to kind of collect that input and bring it back to the full board uh, in our board meeting on the 28th so that they're aware of what people, at least in my portion of the district in Santa Clara, feel about um, us expanding this overnight camping program into their area. So that's kind of what's going on there. Again, that is going. that meeting is going to take place next Tuesday night uh the 14th at saint matthew's church at 6 30 p.m i just put it up on the santa clara community organization website i'll be putting it up on my facebook sites and trying to get people uh you know notified about it i'm i'm hoping to get out and spend some time in the lobby of the fred meyer store out there in santa clara to meet people and talk about the program and promote uh, attendance at that meeting but that's going to be uh, an opportunity for so folks in Santa Clara to provide input. There are other opportunities too. Uh, there's a you can email the entire board from our uh, county commissioners the board's website page down in the lower right hand corner. There's a link that says email entire board, and you can uh, express your opinion there. You can also come in and give public comment at the board meeting. We usually start public comment shortly after 9 a.m. at our board meetings. And our next um, board meeting is the 28th. So that's uh, um, when you can come in and, and give that public comment. So a couple opportunities for, for you all to give input coming up on this uh, overnight camping program. Uh, next Tuesday, the 14th, I'll be out at St. Matthew's Episcopal Church at 6.30 p.m. I, you can email the board uh, from our website, uh, lanecounty.org, and go to the Board of Commissioners page. And then on the lower right corner is the email link on that page. And then also you can come and give public comment at our meeting on the 28th. Uh, and that's 9 a.m. in Harris Hall down at the uh, county building uh, right there at the corner of 8th and Oak. So that's uh, three ways you can get a hold of the board on this. And uh, I'll be reaching out. You can also message me on Facebook. You know, if you've got an opinion, and I'm, you can reach me in multiple ways. You can call into this show right now. If you have an opinion about overnight camping, you can give us a call at 646-721-9887. And, uh, you know, even if it's not about overnight camping, this is a free-for-all show here on the Bose Nose Show. So uh, feel free to give us a shout about anything. Again, 646-721-9887. So I just wanted to let folks know about that opportunity to give input to the board before we make a decision. And that's you know really what's important to me is to give the opportunity for the public to let us know how they feel so that the board can understand that um, and really uh, have a feel for the way the public uh, is perceiving this program. So I just wanna, but I also wanna make sure people understand what we're proposing. One of the confusions has been is we are not proposing to site another rest stop out in Santa Clara. 
I got several emails about that because people heard just part of a news story about this and just heard something about homeless camping in Santa Clara and Lane County all in the same news story and some reason thought we were going to be opening a you know one of those group camps out there with with a, a dozen or more campsites and that's not what we're doing this is about distributed uh, campsites, no more than four in, in, in churches, uh, single campsites if it's a, at a residence or a business. Um, and it's about, you know, you know this, this vetted list with, with uh, the, whoever runs the program and voluntary hosting by, by folks where they are provided with sanitation, trash disposal, and storage. And it tends to be very non-impactful for neighborhoods and what it does is it, it pulls people from illegally camping in street right of ways a lot of times or the folks that are illegally camping, you know, back in the bushes and stuff like that gives them a safe legal place to be um, where they don't cause as much trouble and problems. Uh, you know, there's a big news story uh, last night on KZI about illegal camping in West Eugene and the mess that's created there where people are camping actually in, on the street. Um, and if we could, you know, break that up, that, that in that case, it was a, a group of folks all on the same street was causing a lot of problems. So that's what's going on with overnight camping. Wanted to get into a couple other subjects, though, today on the Bose Nose Show. Unless you call me at 646-721-9887 and steer the conversation in the direction you want to go, I'm going to talk about traffic safety for a few minutes here. There's been a real conversation um, over the last couple years and you, you'll, you'll hear it um, you know for me it really came home a, a few years back we had 10 traffic fatalities between Eugene and Mapleton on Highway 126 West for me that was really um, you know the clarion call to we need to do something about traffic fatalities and traffic injuries and, and traffic safety in general in Lane County, we've had pedestrian deaths over there in Springfield and, and even in Eugene, um, and just all sorts of mayhem on, on the streets, so to speak. So it's led to all sorts of efforts to try and improve traffic safety. And, and a lot of it, you know, people are talking about engineering solutions that cost millions and reconfiguring streets and um, changing speed limits and, you know, our, you know, and, you know uh, the, the legislature got involved and passed that distracted driving thing where you can't touch your, your telephone uh, uh, at all while you're driving. And, and we've talked about that on the Bose Nose Show. But what I want to talk about a little bit are two things I think that can be done um, to improve traffic safety for a lot less cost maybe than some of these engineering solutions and really are... are um, somewhat no-brainers to me. And probably the first one, and I posted about this on Facebook, and I'm surprised at how controversial it seems to be because there's a lot of comments and arguing back and forth. Seems like a lot of support for it, though, is why can't we have ride-sharing services like Uber and Lyft in Lane County? Because, you know, when you talk about traffic safety, one of the things that's a big issue and one of the things that I found out about almost all the serious accidents on 126 over the last 10 years 
almost all of them were lane departure accidents. And lane departure is usually caused by excessive speed, distracted driving, or impaired driving. So, you know, we, we, we passed a law about distracted driving. Supposedly that's going to cure everything, right? Um, <laughs> but impaired driving, Uber and Lyft and ride sharing services like that, where you can get a ride door to door really easily through your through an app on your phone are huge. And knowing that that service is there for folks that might decide to invite at a party or something like that, or for a host to be able to call, and then the guy, you know, then they can use Uber or Lyft the next day to go back and get their car. You know, it, it's, you know, a relatively cheap, economical and easy way. And it also allows a bunch of people to get extra money on top of their normal jobs, you know, because they can do Uber part time. It's not quite as uh, much of a commitment as as being a part time cab driver. Um, do it when you need, you know, when you're able to, not not when you know on a schedule of a company, because um, you're an independent contractor doing it. Uh, I just think it would be a simple way to get a whole nother level of traffic safety in Lane County if those services were available. Not only that, we stand out that we don't have it available here. Uh, I talked to the folks that travel Lane County that are responsible for tourism marketing for Lane County. And the one thing they're hearing consistently at their, you know, information stores and, and on the phone and when people are traveling here is, why can't I get Uber or Lyft? You know, why is the service unavailable here? You know, everywhere else I go to, to vacation, I know I can get around town really easily. And I don't even think about renting a car half the time because I know I can just call an Uber. Uh, and I know I've done it. I I used it when I was in Washington, D.C. this last time. It was incredibly uh, effective to get around town. Rarely had to wait more than a few minutes to pick up an Uber. Every car I got into was clean. Every driver was polite and did and obeyed the traffic laws. Not quite the same. I did a mix of cabs, too, in D.C., and I was kind of disappointed in the cab service there. Um, 30 cars drivers that um, broke traffic laws at times. Uh, in fact, I wasn't in this cab, but some of the fellow, my fellow uh, Oregon County commissioners that were at this National Association of Counties meeting uh, had to actually, you know, get out of a cab at a stoplight and you know, tell the driver they were done because they were pretty sure the cab driver was driving impaired um, because he was all over the place. They feel safe in the cab. Have, haven't had that experience in an Uber yet, um, or or a Lyft. Um, but you know, it's putting us behind in tourism marketing in some ways that folks can't come here and just use Uber like they, everywhere else they travel in the country. Uh, and it's also hurting us in when we're recruiting, you know, companies to move uh, facilities here, and. You know, when we talk about how we want to be the Silicon Shire versus Silicon Valley, and we managed to get this, you know, flight from Eugene to San Jose to kind of connect us with the Silicon Valley, you know, the Silicon Shire, Silicon Valley. Well, when we're trying to bring executives up here to think about, you know, expanding their companies into uh, Lane County. They come up here expecting to get off the plane and call an Uber to get to their hotel 
because you can call an Uber in San Jose and uh, they can't. And, and it makes us kind of look like um, some backwater uh, in, in Mississippi uh, that can't manage to have this ride sharing service available. So it's kind of one of those things. It's not only a traffic safety issue, but it's also a tourism and economic development issue for our area that we are not at the same level of service as other parts of the country. And it is a very convenient service. Um, and it's, you know, I, you know, I just haven't heard the, the, the safety concerns and all that, that um, some people are worried about. I do know that they do require a background check on their drivers. There's insurance involved and, you know, they, they require cars to be able to pass an inspection. They have an age limit on cars. They don't uh, allow, you know, really old vehicles into the, their Uber fleet. Um, and frankly, you know, when I was in DC, there was enough Ubers to pick from, you know, when you picked up the app to see who was close to you, I could choose the vehicle, you know, kind of that I wanted to, to ride in versus, <laughs> yeah, versus just taking whatever was there, you know, yeah, so a lot of times there are enough of them within five minutes of me. I actually pick the vehicle, not so much the, uh, not not just take whatever was closest. So, and uh, that's kind of one of the, the great things about it. You know, you call a cab, you get what you get a lot of times. So um, that would be one way we could improve traffic safety here in Lane County. I'm kind of curious if anyone else out there has thoughts on, on Uber and Lyft and, and having them here, you can give us a call at Bo's Nose Show, 646-721-9887. And uh, we can talk about that or we can talk about whatever you want because it is a free-for-all day and you get to control the conversation. But, you know, I was kind of surprised just that stirred up a pretty good uh, uh, conversation on Facebook about all that. And I'm wondering, you know, I saw a uh, poll on KZI's Facebook page that was running about 90% in favor of having Uber and Lyft here. So I'm kind of wondering if the city council of Eugene uh, could move on that at all. And if, you know, cause it's really their decision, Uber's not gonna come to Lane County until the largest city says yes. And uh, I think there's been some, uh, you know, decisions by the city council to try and hold them to the exact same standards as, as a cab company when they're not really a cab company. So that's kind of the, the what's going on and why Uber's not here. Well, if I can jump in there for a second, Jay. Um, also, to kind of defend the cab companies a little bit, City of Eugene, I'm not sure about Springfield, put a limit on how many taxis can actually be out there. Not to mention the cost, which I'm looking up now, but there's quite a few ordinances. Yeah, yeah. and I know that the cabs, every time they pick up at the airport, pay like a buck fifty each trip. And I don't know if Uber, you know, was gonna, you know, wasn't gonna agree to that buck fifty surcharge, but you know, I have friends pick me up at the airport and they don't get charged above 50. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. It just seems like, I guess it's part of also the city of Eugene being willing to give up a, a revenue stream and, and, and all that. Um, so it just still, it's a much, much more 
functional system and much more flexible system as far as uh, travel goes. And I think it would be really great. You know, think about um, Ducks games and and uh, Halloween night or New Year's Eve. The ability to call an Uber and get, and get you know safe transportation would be you know, a big thing for impaired driving. Well, not just that, but your point about availability. I mean, like trying to go to the city of Eugene to do anything, and they're taking away more free parking or some of the parking there you have to pay online. It would be really great to say, okay, I'm going to call like an Uber service, and no, I don't have to wait a half hour for them to show up drop you off, then when you get done shopping, then they're going to pick you up a few minutes later again. Yeah, yeah, and you don't have to worry about you know being exactly on a schedule because you just come out, look at your app, and see where an Uber car is and and order up the, the ride. Yeah, that, that's a, and unless you're going to a, if you're out in a remote area or something like that, you might have to wait longer um, to get a ride. And as, you know, of course, it, it'll, in, as it, when the service is new, as they add drivers, it might not be quite as convenient. But I think once it's up and going, it's it's amazingly convenient. And in a town like D.C., where parking's almost non-existent, that's a great way to get around. You know, <clears throat> I didn't have to rent a car. You know, I can take a shuttle to the hotel from the airport, and then once you're at the air, I mean, at the you know from the airport to the hotel. Once you're at the hotel. Everywhere, every meeting I needed to go to down on Capitol Hill or uh, wherever they might be, uh, you know, Department of Transportation, which is way out in southeast um, uh, Washington, um, Uber. Yeah, actually, you know, I just thought of something. This is probably one word, probably why you'll never see it here. EMX. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to convince people that EMX is the way to get around. I think you know you could probably you could probably subsidize people's Uber accounts for less than it would have taken to build EMX. Oh, yeah, nice road for what you paid for the EMX. Yeah, yep. So, but you know, so that's one of my traffic safety issues. Um, the other traffic safety issue. I think we need to start looking at, and one of the reasons um, I'm energized to run for re-election because this is going to take a little bit longer than just um, a few months to resolve. I think Uber and Lyft could be resolved in a couple months of work between the companies and the city of Eugene um, if there was uh, a desire on the city of Eugene's part to to host them, uh, which I think they need to hear from the folks, basically. Because one of the things that's a little known fact, and you probably don't know this, uh, Springfield's uh, cab uh, system is actually um, contracted, the the oversight of it's contracted through the city of Eugene. They are, they are, they are the uh, uh, regulating agency for both cities. If you, if you, if you're, in Springfield or Eugene, and you really feel like you want to have Uber and Lyft and ride sharing in general, they may not, you know, who knows, just like, um, oh, God, what was that predecessor to Facebook? Um, MySpace? MySpace. <laughs> yeah. God, hardly remember them now, don't don't we? Um, you know, Uber and Lyft may not be the, the end all uh, of ride sharing. There may be some new service that comes along that, you know, promises 
even more security in the way of higher level background checks and um, higher levels of insurance requirements, et cetera, that, that may out, out compete Uber and Lyft. In fact, I think I've heard of one version that's for women only that has women only drivers so women can feel safe um, that's starting to become popular. Um, so, you know, it may not be Uber and Lyft. I just use them as examples, but still that that whole idea of uh, independent contractors using a um, this this um, sharing economy uh, software to to connect customers with them um, and do the billing and, and transfer the, the money. I mean, it's just so convenient because you don't even have to have cash or 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 hand your credit card over to a driver. You know, once you call the driver and and do the ride, you, your credit card gets billed automatically and all that stuff. It's an amazing piece of software. But if you want to have that in Eugene and Springfield, you guys need to be talking to the Eugene City Council about it. So that's that's where you need to go. And if you go to the City of Eugene's web page and, and uh, uh, go under contacts and elected officials, they've got a little form you can fill out to, that'll that basically kind of emails the, the, the city council and the mayor. So um, that's where we need to go to get Uber and Lyft here. But the other aspect of traffic safety, though, that is not as expensive as some of the capital improvements, you know, like it really is, you know, to, to make Highway 126 truly a safe road, it needs to be wider and have more passing lanes, have better shoulders and all that stuff. That's hundreds of millions of dollars in capital improvements between Eugene and Mapleton to get that to be a truly safe highway where, you know, where it's going to be engineered fixed. The, the things that really make up traffic safety are not just engineering. They call, talk about the four E's. It's engineering, education, things like driver ed, et cetera, and, and just, you know, the public service announce, whatever. Emergency response, you know, because, you know, if you do have an accident, how quickly you get um, airlifted out of there makes a difference whether you live or die sometimes. And then enforcement. And, and that's the, the, a really big E. And it's the, the E that has actually trended downward in, in our um, system over the last 30 years. You can actually look at graphs of Oregon State Police trooper strength over the last 30 years, and you can also um, look at a graph of Lane County Rural Patrol strength, and both have dropped off dramatically. OSP used to have over 600 patrol officers 20 years ago in Oregon on, on state highways. It's barely over 300 now. So it's almost half, 50% reduction of Oregon State trooper strength. And uh, we actually have more folks on the road now, more drivers. So when you think about that, you know, when you talk about troopers per thousand, it's even less than 50% of the strength we're talking about. Lane County used to have 99 people in our police services division. You know, we're down to about a quarter of that in, in our patrol division right now. 
So huge reduction in who's out there outside of the city of Eugene or Springfield or say Junction City or Cottage Grove that have police force. When you get out in rural Lane County, the actual patrol strength has dropped so drastically that people kind of know they can speed and they're not going to get a ticket. It's rare to get a speeding ticket nowadays if you're outside of a city. So, you know, with the exception of maybe uh, some enforcement that's along 126 down near Florence, out of the Florence barracks and, and 101 in that area, or if you, you know, or, you know, speeding on I-5 in, in, in close proximity to Springfield barracks, um, you're, it's pretty rare you get a speeding ticket that's not a city police officer. And um, that shows up in that majority of our traffic fatalities and injuries in Lane County on rural roads. You know, you're seeing them out in the rural areas. You know, and we really need to do something about our patrol strength. You know, and so that's really one of the reasons, you know, just one of many reasons why I think we need to have a long-term fix to Lane County's uh, lack of patrol strength. And it's, you know, long story why it's as weak as it is, goes back to all the federal forest dollars and the spotted owl and, and just in general, uh, the cost of service continuing to go up while the revenue available to provide that service has gone the other direction and, and you can't, it's just not sustainable and it's had to be cut. We're trying to provide as much service as we can. We're barely hanging on to 24 hour patrols in Lane County. We have to fix that. And if we fix that and get more patrols on there where they actually have enough strength where they're not actually just driving from one call to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and they have no time to do any traffic enforcement, um, if there's enough patrol strength out there and visibility, it will actually lead to safer roadways. Uh, just in that visibility and then the enforcement actions they take that actually change drivers' habits. Pat, I got a question for you. Sure. Do you? When's the last time you uh, seen or heard of a PSA? Oh, this morning. <laughs> oh, this morning. Okay. Well, I guess. Well, you got me there. I guess where I'm going with this is that um, one of the TV stations, I think it's in San Francisco, has a segment called People Behaving Badly, where they go out on the road and they ride along, news, <clears throat> the newsman rides along with the uh, police, and they go with the police officer where they pull people over, et cetera, et cetera. And the coolest thing about that is that they're actually reminding people that, oh, do you re do you realize there's actually a law or this is the way you're supposed to do it? And it's reminded me since it's been years since I've looked at a uh, motor vehicles manual that oh yeah you're right I'm you know if the double line is two three feet it's a solid barrier you're not supposed to cross it or something like that you know so these little hints in education I think would be very helpful where I'm, where I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I guess when you said PSA, that's a very generalized thing. Public service announcements are on the air for everything in the world. You know, years. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. You know what what what, what you hear on, on, on the radio, you know, because they, they're required to run a certain amount of public service announcements to maintain their FCC license. Right. You hear some pretty bizarre things. But yeah, getting 
you know, getting more public service announcements out there is helpful to some degree. And and all you know, the the every 15 minutes program that they run um, in the high schools about drunk driving around prom time. Um, you know, there, there's there's good education programs out there, and, and and maybe some some better work can be done there. But really, um, getting some enforcement out there has been is the big thing that's lacking. There's been education continuing to go on, and actually the budgets for the education side have actually gotten stronger over time. So at the same time, engineering, you know, we're talking about trying to engineer our way out, educate our way out. We've got a really good emergency response system in, in Lane County, at least, with life flight and our, uh, we have a pretty good, um, uh, you know, uh, fire service system that's got well-trained EMTs that get to the site quickly um, with the right equipment, you know, to stabilize folks and get them ready to transport. Some of these ambulances now are practically operating rooms on wheels. Um, so that it, it's a pretty amazing emergency response system. What we're really seem to be lacking is that enforcement side that really, you know, helps change drivers' behaviors. Uh, and that's that that's kind of where I was going with that patrol side. And it, and it's really really has to be some kind of structural long term fix because um, we had a structural long term change in our budget when we when the federal timber harvest fell apart and uh, the replacement payments stopped. Um, that you know is just a sea change in our policy. Uh, I guess I'm thinking that I can tell you not to drink and drive, but speaking as a person that used to assist with traffic accidents and such, when you're actually on site and you see somebody that's been mangled because of a traffic accident or worse, somebody that's died in front of you, that makes you, that changes your behavior on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of uh, somewhat about the every 15 minutes program is really meant to kind of really shock these high school kids into realization of how serious drunk driving really is. In fact, it's so impactful, they will only run it once every three to four years at a, at a high school because it, they actually have to bring in counselors afterwards because even, even some of the teachers involved end up, you know, shook and, and, and they have to, do this post-traumatic stress almost treatment for some of the folks involved because it's it's that impactful, which I imagine you probably suffered through some of the same things. Uh, but it's a good thing because it really makes you more cautious, especially when you it make you think twice about running that stop sign. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So we only got about four and a half minutes here on the Bose Nose Show. Still time for a phone call, so if you want to give us a call at 646-721-9887, again, that's 646-721-9887, uh, we'll talk about what you want to talk about here on the Bose Nose Show. I want to add one more pitch, though, for more patrol officers in, in Lane County, and, and one of the things that I hear most about is, is the level of property crime here in Lane County and and. Uh, I really think that's part of what you know this would resolve. It, it, we we get the benefit of the traffic safety, but we also get the ability 
with enhanced patrol to start actually investigating and cracking down on property crime, which is kind of under um, people kind of starting to kind of poo poo it. You know, oh, it's just property crime. It's like, no, somebody's taking your stuff that you actually worked hard to make the money and spent your time and, and treasure to, to get that property that they're stealing. You know, it's really a, a terrible thing to happen as far as the victim goes. And I think extra patrols will help with that. But in addition, a lot of folks like to talk about restorative justice and taking you know, a lot of property crimes driven by people that have addictions, and that's the real root cause. And the problem is, is right now in Lane County, we're not dealing with property crimes. So folks with these addictions become career criminals. They, they go far down the road of addiction to where it's actually changing, you know, chemistry in their brain and mind pathways and everything else. If we were investigating property crime quickly and early on in these criminals' careers and arresting them as, you know, new addicts and new criminals, and having the ability to divert them into some of these restorative justice programs like drug court, where they actually get treatment and all that instead of going to prison. Of course, if they don't do go through their treatment, they end up in prison. That's how drug court works. Um, that's that's really can be the feeder for some of these restorative justice programs. Actually, you know, it, it's restorative to the victims because you're actually dealing with property crime, but you're also talking about getting to the criminals earlier in their career and earlier in their addiction phases and, and trying to help them there. Because what happens a lot of times is these folks become career criminals. They go to jail, they lose their jobs, then they end up losing their, their housing and they become homeless and it feeds into the homeless problem. And then we have to do things like overnight camping programs. Hmm, somehow or another, we ended up back at the beginning of the show again. <laughs> um, so, just a reminder before we get off the air on the Bose Nose Show, I will be out in Santa Clara Tuesday night at St. Matthew's Episcopal Church at 6.30 p.m. talking about our overnight camping program. And that, again, that's Tuesday, November 14th, St. Matthew's Episcopal Church, 6.30 p.m. And I'll be taking input on our overnight camping program, and I'll bring that to our full board discussion on November 28th when we will be making a decision about that. So I hope you enjoyed the Bose Nose Show today. Kind of wandered all over the place from uh, elections and taxes all the way down to restorative justice and homelessness. Thanks for listening to us today, and uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Bose Nose Show. Have a great week, and thank you for listening as we come to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Good night. <laughs>